The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Let's go ahead and get started uh, tonight. Hopefully you all pass those prayer cards over to the side. Um, hey, for those that don't know, uh, my name is Mike McAvoy. I'm on staff here with University Ministries. A lot of people call me Voy. Uh, that's what I'm often referred to up here. Every time I'm in the back and I hear the name Voy, I figure no one has any clue who Ryan Church is talking about. But, but that's me. Uh, and my role on this staff is a job known as the Student Leadership Coordinator which is something I'm pretty fired up about. I'm, I'm excited about uh, being part of a, of a pretty cool team here. And, and what my role specifically as student leadership coordinator means is that I get the chance to work with a team of 65 students here uh, that all have a, a ministry area that they uh, get a chance to serve in. Uh, everything that you see around here is mostly done by student leaders. We have student leaders that help out uh, with the technology for the inn. We have student leaders that uh, lead a prayer team here, put on freshman group. Even our snuggy buddies up here tonight are both guys that are on student leadership. In fact, this is a list of a bunch of the different teams that we have with student leadership. And I think it's a pretty cool opportunity being a part of this leadership team because not only are these students that get an opportunity to serve in some way, to give back to this community, but also uh, to, be, to be poured into, to be uh, mentored a little bit on this team, uh, to learn a little bit about discipleship and, and learn even more how God uh, is loving them in their lives. And actually tonight uh, we start the, the opportunity to sign up for uh, that student leadership team for next year. Uh, for those that may be interested for the school year of 2009 to 2010, uh, it's a pretty cool opportunity. And if you're thinking, hey, I, I really kind of want to get involved here a little bit more. I've been coming a couple years and, and I've just been, you know, sitting here and not really doing much and, and I feel like I want to meet some people. Um, I want to I gain some community. I want to, to learn some more about who God is and what he's doing in my life. Uh, or maybe you've been coming here a couple years and you've really got a lot out of this ministry. You may have gone on a mission trip. You may have gone uh, to a winter retreat or some of the things we do. And, and you thought, hey, this is pretty cool. I've really picked up a lot of community here. You're thinking, I want to give back in some way. I want to help out however I can. Student leadership is, a, is an awesome opportunity uh, to give back in that way, too. So if that's something you're interested in, know that uh, I would love to talk to you. We have a whole staff of people that would, would love to talk to you more about it, even the student leaders uh, currently. If, if you know any of them, feel free to talk to them about it. And tonight we have uh, a table over on the side where we have applications available for the first time. Uh, we'll be having applications for the next few weeks coming out of spring break, but uh, it's a pretty cool opportunity that... Uh, that we get the chance to, to start tonight. So um, that is what I do here, for those that wonder. Um, but tonight I get the opportunity to preach and, and to speak, and, and that excites me as well because we are finishing up our series, uh, four-week series going through the pillars of the church before going into spring break. And we've been talking about the idea of missions and why we do it. We've been talking about the idea of community and why we do that. Um, these are real pillars. Of, they're not holding anything up, but those are pretty sweet pillars. Um, we talked about kind of the, the incarnational witness piece, uh, what that is. Emily Vance will talk to us a couple weeks ago about that. And tonight I get the opportunity to talk about mentorship, which is, a, which is a pretty big deal to me because I've had some mentors that have played a pretty strong role in my life. 
And also because as a part of student leadership, I believe that that mentorship, that that discipleship piece um, is, is a very important thing. And it's an important role in my job here, uh, which is kind of why I get the opportunity to speak on it tonight. Um, so so that's that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Uh, let me go ahead and pray uh, to get us started tonight. God, uh, you're good, Lord. Um, we love you and we come here tonight just to uh, to see how you're working, God, and how we can get on board with that. God, I pray that tonight you would just um, speak these words. God, help me learn a message uh, even more about your love, Lord. Uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so uh, a little bit about me, just to let you know. Um, I'm one of four kids. I have an older brother. I have two younger sisters. And, and I grew up in Bellingham, Washington, about an hour north of here. Anyone? Yes, Bellingham. Thank you. I knew there'd be at least one person from Bellingham. Um, and, and as I grew up, uh, I grew up and, and I feel pretty lucky to have grown up with a couple parents that I never really questioned their love for me. I was always able to see it. I was always able to feel that love. My mom, she always took real good care of me. She always loved me. In fact, I think she has a little bit of a soft spot for me because even at age 26, I go home and I take a little nap on the couch, and I'm like, Mom, could you make me a sandwich? <laughs> and I will be honest, she makes a sandwich pretty much every time. Um, she's kind of a sucker for that one. In fact, my parents are out here tonight. They're sitting in the back. Uh, my mom would probably make a sandwich right now, would be my guess. Um, but, but also, my dad, from a very young age, I started looking up to my father. Uh, as, as long as I can remember, he was, he was what I would call a mentor in my life. And I didn't really question right or wrong because a lot of times I would look to my dad and if he was doing it, I was like, that's the thing to do. I can look at him and I can know what to do. And from a very young age, whatever he was doing, I wanted to be a part of. Uh, and so I actually brought some pictures tonight when I was younger uh, to show some of the things that uh, my dad would do that I wanted to do. Now, this was my dad. He's the one with the mustache. Uh, from a very young age, I thought growing a mustache was awesome, so I wanted to do that, never really done it. But that's me in the yellow jacket and my brother, who's older than me. And my dad would work on our car a lot. I don't know if he loved it or if we just didn't have much money, so we had to. But he'd always be out working on the car, and I wanted to work as well. And as you can see, if you'll notice in this picture, I have a socket wrench in my hand, and my brother only has a windshield wiper or windshield ice scraper. So obviously I was given a whole lot more responsibility uh, to work on the engine than my brother was. All he got to do was scrape off uh, ice. And But my dad did it. I want to do it too. Uh, that wasn't the only thing. What else did we do? Okay. My dad taught us that the funnest thing we could do was go out and shovel snow. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you're going to love this. Shoveling snow is what we live for. So... There are three shovels. Uh, that's me on the left. My brother just ate ice the whole time. He didn't really work very hard. <laughs> me, however, I love to shovel snow. I wanted to be just like my dad. That's what he was doing. So that's what I was doing as well. Uh, other things. I wanted to be just like my dad. My dad was a fisherman. Uh, we used to live on Orcas Island. And we would go out on a little boat and catch some fish. And I'll be honest, I never really loved... I don't even know what I'm looking at. What am I doing? Uh, <laughs> um... My dad would go out fishing, so I wanted to go too. I never really understood uh, just sitting in a boat that long. But hey, if he wanted to do it, I want to do it. In fact, this influenced me so much that I used to go out fishing all the time myself. Um, that's me as a kid. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Hey, uh, okay. Oh, here's a good one, okay? Now, uh, 
When I was in seventh grade, my dad loved to bike. He always did. I hey, I never did. I still never understand uh, the, just the fun in biking around. It's always hard work, and your uh, hind parts hurt really bad afterward. <laughs> but my dad convinced me that together we were going to ride in this race from Seattle to Portland called the STP. So he got me really fired up about this. And because he was doing it, I wanted to do it. And as you can see, I thought I was super cool in seventh grade. <laughs> That is uh, ridiculous. In fact, I was just wearing basketball shorts because I didn't want to look stupid in bike shorts. But uh, my dad looked great in them, though. So, um, but but everything my dad did, I, I wanted to do. I looked up to him to for I looked to him for advice. Uh, I looked to him just to to speak into my life and and show me kind of what right and wrong is. You can take that down now. That's fine. Um, but but even you know all throughout high school, even up until the point that I graduated high school. Uh, my dad was a, a big mentor in my life. And then after that, I went off to college and I came here in the, uh, the fall of 2001. And I kind of, I, I lost a little bit of that mentorship. And I think that came with a new attitude for me. I, I kind of thought, hey, I'm in college now. I, I'm a grown man. It's time for me to grow up and it's time for me to start doing things on my own. That means from now on, I make decisions on my own. That means I, I have to do it because that's what being a grown-up is about, is not asking for help anymore. If I come across a problem, I'll just figure it out. And, and that was my mindset throughout college. That's what being a man meant to me. And the problem was, is that I was 19 years old and I didn't know how to do a lot of things. Uh, for example, I came to college and I was scared to death to talk to girls that I didn't know. That just freaked me out. But there was a guy that I played football with here who was older than me, and he was a backup quarterback. His name was Taylor Barton. And I still remember the first time we were hanging out as a team at this restaurant, and Taylor just brings the waitress over, and he starts talking to her for a couple minutes, and pretty soon she writes her phone number down and gives it to him. And I was like, that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> I, did... I thought that was only in movies. I did not realize that happened in real life. And then I soon realized that everywhere we went, this guy could... He could talk to any girl. He was what you may call a player and or a little bit of a ladies man. And I was like, oh, that's so what I want to be. I want to be just like him. I want to be able to talk to girls. I don't know. And I was like, what if I just asked him? What if I was just like, hey, how do you do this? Uh, what's your secret? What do, what do you say here? Because obviously you can get girls that seem way out of your league. <laughs> that was what I was going for. Um, but then I thought, no, that's stupid. I can't just ask him how he does this because he's going to laugh at me for one. He's going to say, I'm not just going to tell you how. And he's probably and he would also know that I was really bad at talking to girls. And so I just thought, hey, I guess that's not what you do. I guess you just got to figure it out on my, you know, on your own. I had to figure it out on my own. And and I think that's a good picture of, of the attitude that we have is that sometimes we're scared to ask for help because we think we're supposed to know everything ourselves. And we think that the idea of asking for help makes us seem weak. Tonight I want to talk about uh, the idea that I think that the smartest thing we can do is to ask for help. It's the point I'm going to try to prove tonight. So uh, just a little bit more to finish my own story. I came into college and for two and a half years I kind of struggled. You know, I didn't know exactly what I was doing here. I, I got in a couple of relationships with girls and you know, they didn't last super long, or even when I liked them, you know, it didn't stay that way because I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I still thought I had to figure it out myself, and I was trying to balance college and, and football and being in a fraternity and, and all these things, and it was tough, but I really didn't know where to go for help. And after two and a half years where I was coming out to the end and, 
and just kind of sitting in the back that whole time. I had a couple guys here, uh, a guy you may know who is the current director uh, here, Ryan Church, along with another guy who was on staff whose name uh, is Mike Gaffney. Both kind of came alongside me and, and started getting to know me a little bit better and, and hanging out and started speaking into my life a little bit. Uh, speaking some truth, telling me, you know, maybe I should start doing a few things uh, and just kind of helping me, helping me out, helping me live a, a life in college that I really didn't know how to live. Uh, and it really helped me start moving in the direction that I wanted to move. And in fact, five years later from that point, here I am. And, and I doubt I'd be here if some mentors wouldn't have come alongside me at some point and start speaking into my life a little bit. OK, and I, I think uh, this gives us a good picture um, of, of how important mentorship is. And in fact, I want to look into the scripture tonight to look at a story in the Old Testament in the book of First Kings. Uh, where we see uh, a young man named Rehoboam. And, and in this story we're going to read about tonight, Rehoboam is, is a young guy who is, is going to be the king of all of Israel. And his father was Solomon. And Solomon was a pretty smart guy, uh, pretty, pretty good king. But as he's dying, as he's getting old, the, the kingdom is about to be turned over to his son. And his son has some big decisions to make. So we're going to read through it. It's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, verses 1 through 15. So we're going to dive right in here. Okay, in verse 1 it says, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nabot, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, your father put a heavy yoke on us, and but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. So basically, this whole council of people, all these people in Israel, they get this other guy, Jeroboam, and they come up to the, the, the next king, and they're like, hey, we just need you to lighten things up a little bit. Your father, he was pretty tough on us. We had a lot of building projects. We had a lot of taxes. Things were hard. We would love it if things could just lighten up a little bit. And I think we look at this and we say, hey, that's kind of an easy decision. Just lighten it up. Make the people happy. It says that they'll serve you if you do. But you got to understand from where he's coming from, he's a little bit nervous that if he just gives in to these demands, they could come back the next week and they could have more demands. And then the next week and, and still have more. And at this point, he could become hostage to the demands of the people. So he's got a tough decision to make. So what does he say? In verse 6, nope, verse 5, Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. Okay, and then he does a very smart thing here. It says in verse 6, King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. Pretty good advice from some older people. You've got to understand that these were elders who had been through a lot. They had seen his father Solomon and all the good decisions he had made. They had also seen all the bad decisions he had made. So they've been there. They've seen some things. They've seen some things that Rehoboam hasn't seen yet. And he gets this advice. But then in verse eight, it says Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? And you've got to understand that these guys are his buddies. And as Rehoboam goes, so they go. So they got a little bit to lose in this. Okay, how should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father has put on us? 
The young men who had grown up with him replied, Tell these people who have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. That's basically their way of saying, If you thought my daddy was tough, you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, I'm going to bring this. Okay, My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. I don't know exactly what that means, but nobody likes scorpions. Okay. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For this turn of events was from the Lord. Okay. Um, and we're going to stop there. And, and what we see happen in this story, we're not going to get into it, but, but after this happens, he, he uh, takes the advice of his friends and he's very hard on the people. And it ends up dividing this kingdom. Where Rehoboam is, is in the end, he only takes a small piece of this kingdom because the whole kingdom is divided because of a bad decision that he made. Okay, And what I think is that this story illustrates to us a little bit um, of the value of having the counsel of other people in our lives. And I think that one of the primary tools that God gives us is the counsel of others. Because oftentimes in life, we're asked to make decisions okay, about things that are so close to us that we cannot be objective. Relationships, for example. They're so close to us, and, and we get so emotionally involved in them that it, that it fogs our decision-making. For anyone that's ever been in love before, you know what I'm talking about. Love is like a fog. Now, it's a great fog. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But, but it is a little bit of a fog. Okay, and oftentimes we make silly, crazy, and even bad decisions when we are in love. Okay, and if you've ever had to make a decision based uh, around your family, an important decision, it's tough because there's a lot of emotion involved. And these decisions... Uh, you know, when we're when our, we're kind of fogged with uh, emotion, it's tougher to make these decisions and to see what to do. And the other side of this is that sometimes we're asked to make decisions that we just aren't ready for. We don't have the expertise. We don't have the experience. But yet we're asked to make a decision anyway. And we don't know what to do. The good news here is that we have not been left alone in life to make these decisions on our own. Okay, we, have, we haven't been left to make these decisions ourselves. Okay? Because inherent in this idea of incarnational witness that we've been talking about here, okay, that Emily talked about two weeks ago, in how we discover a greater sense of who God is through our, our community. Okay, well, it's the same thing with mentorship. It's why when you get involved in a core group here, you know, we don't just say, hey, here are five good friends, why don't you go figure it out, you know, go nuts. But, but we say, hey, here's a core group leader. Here's someone that, that can help lead you. That they don't necessarily have everything right. They don't necessarily have all the answers. Okay, but they are a couple steps out. They've been through a couple things that you've been through. And, and we think that, that they can help you and help you understand a little bit more about Jesus. Okay, because mentorship, like community, like missions, these are things that naturally flow out of our relationship with Jesus. Okay, it's not that we have mentorship over here. And over here we, we, is, our, is our relationship with Jesus. But, but again, it, it flows right out of that relationship. Mentorship is, is a big part of that. 
Okay, and I think that the first reason that mentorship is an important thing in our lives is because I think God wants to communicate with us through other people in our lives. I mean, I, I think we're there. I think that as we make a decision in life to start following Jesus, or even if we haven't made that decision, but, but we're going, hey, uh, you know, I want to know a little bit more about this, this whole God. God, what's this about? I think we're, we're all going, hey, God, I wish you would speak to me a little louder. We all want to hear his voice. We all want to know what he's saying in our life. We want to hear a clear picture of what he's saying. And I think some of us do some things to try to hear that, and, and I do too, but I think we do some, uh, some different things to try to hear his voice. For example, uh, I don't know if any of you guys do this, but sometimes what I'll do is be like, okay, God, I'm going to get really, really quiet, okay, because i got a big decision to make, and I don't know what to do here. And I'm going to be really quiet, and the first thought that you put in my head, that is what you're telling me to do. Okay, okay, yep, you want me to eat a sandwich right now. That makes sense. That's not at all what I was asking for, but that's the first thing that comes to my head. And, and I think sometimes we do that. That's where we, we try to hear God's voice. And if that's true, then God speaks to me a lot because I eat a lot of sandwiches. But, um, but that's not the only thing we do. I think we do other things in order to try to see what, where God's leading us and see the will for our lives is that we go, um, God, I need to see a sign. Please, I just need to see a sign of what you're trying to tell me. You're driving down the street. You're going, God, where are you? And and then you drive by and you see a sign that says 19th Street. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I didn't know who I was who I was going to date, if I was going to date this guy or not. But his birthday is on April 19th. And that's 19th Street. And his initials are S.T. spells street. Um, Obviously, God, this is the perfect guy for me. Obviously, we're going to get married. Thank you for that clear sign in my life. Okay, and I know that sounds a little crazy, but I know that we do things that are kind of like that. Where, where it's kind of out there. And I'm not going to say, okay, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way, please. Okay, I'm not going to act like I know uh, how to hear what the will of God is or that, that He doesn't speak to us through other ways because I know that I don't have near a grasp on, on all the ways that He speaks to us. Okay, He, he may. But, but I do know one way that God has consistently spoken to His people for years and years, and that is through the wise counsel of other people. In fact, I believe absolutely that God has spoken to me more on personal things and professional things through other people in my life than through any other way. Because God can and oftentimes will speak through the wise counsel of people in our lives. I think that's the first reason why it's important to have mentorship in our life. Okay, I think the second reason that it's important to have mentorship in our life is because we need a coach. In our life, we need someone to come alongside us and see the things that we can't necessarily see. And coaching doesn't necessarily mean that we're weak or that someone in our life is a whole lot smarter or better than us. But oftentimes a coach is just someone who can see things that we can't see. Take Tiger Woods, for example. In my opinion, he's a pretty good golfer. My guess is that he would beat me if we went out and played. <laughs> now, Tiger Woods has a coach. And my guess is that if him and his coach went out and played around, he would probably be his coach as well. But that doesn't mean he doesn't understand he's better for having a coach. He knows that's going to help him get to the place he wants to be. And for him, that's his golf swing. For us, I really think that, that in life, as we're trying to navigate places that we haven't been before, a coach helps us see the things that we can't see. I don't think that we ever reach our full potential without utilizing the wisdom of other people. Okay, that's the second reason that I think mentorship is important. 
Okay, but on the flip side, I think some of us go, this is not something we want in our lives. In fact, it might scare us a little bit. Okay, so I got a couple reasons why we probably don't desire mentorship in our lives on the flip side. Okay, and the first side, and I'm kind of talking a little more to guys here because I know that this is for me too, is that the first reason we don't desire mentorship is that our pride gets in the way. Okay, is that it's tough for us to take coaching on something that we feel that we should know a lot about. That someone's going to come into our kitchen, they're going to get into something that we're supposed to be an expert on and give us a little help on. It's tough for us because, you know, that hits our pride a little bit. I know it does to me too. I want to feel like I know the decisions to make. I know how to do this on my own. Okay, and I'm going to free you up, everyone out there that thinks like I do in this. Okay, is that if you're out there going, man, but I'm, I'm a leader, I need to do things on my own. Okay, is that leadership is not about making decisions on your own. Leadership is about owning a decision once it's been made. And how much more confident can you be in that decision when you bring in the wise counsel of other people in your life? You don't need to come up with these things on your own. But man, once you come to some decision, that's when it needs to be owned. Okay, you don't need to do that. Don't let your pride get in the way. I know that that it's something that I struggle with a lot myself. Okay, the second reason that I don't think we necessarily love to have mentorship in our life is because we know what somebody's already going to say. And we don't want to hear it. Okay, I'm doing something that I probably know I shouldn't be doing in my life. I'm going to guess that if I let someone else speak into that, that they're not going to, you know, praise me for having done that. And it kind of, it gets us insecure. We think they're probably going to judge us a little bit. We think they're probably going to look down on us. And, and that's where I think we get a misconception about what mentorship is, because I don't think it's about being preached at as much as it is about having someone in your life that cares about you and wants to see you at your best. Okay, the third reason that I don't think we desire mentorship is because we actually look at mentorship as a negative. That it's actually not going to do us any good. It's only going to hurt us. It's going to make us feel guilty for things that we're doing. It's going to constrict us. It's going to take away life. It's going to add more rules for our life. Okay, it's going to take away the fun in life. That's what it's going to do. Okay, and the truth is that it doesn't constrict us at all. It actually opens life up a ton for us. It doesn't reduce the possibilities that we have. But it, but it greatens the number of opportunities that we have in life. You look at the disciples who followed Jesus Christ. Okay, in the Bible, he comes along and he calls his disciples to follow him. And these are guys who are tax collectors. They're fishermen. Okay, they're doing jobs where they're just on this one path. It's a narrow road that they're going. That Their life is pretty straight. It's pretty on one track. And what he does is he comes in and says, hey, follow me. And it opens up a giant world of possibilities for them. Where eventually these guys are the guys that start the church. Get thousands of people coming in and, and, and getting to know Jesus through these guys. And they eventually, a lot of them end up dying uh, for this cause that they believe in so much. It opened up a huge amount of possibilities for them. It did not just constrict their life. It didn't just take away their fun. Okay? And the fourth reason that I don't think we necessarily love mentorship is because, or, or don't want to have somebody in our life, is because we don't know what we should be looking for. We don't know who that good person is. We're like, hey, I got some friends in my life. That's perfectly fine. They talk to me. I'm having relationship troubles. I go talk to them. That's perfectly fine. And, and that's great, except that sometimes, you know, your friends don't always give you the best help. 
And, and the reason why is because that they have something to lose. They care a lot about that relationship. Now, I'm guessing they care about you, too. I got friends who care about me, but they also care about the relationship. And they don't want to see anything happen to that relationship. Just like Rehoboam, he's got his friends, and they have a lot at stake. If something happens to him, something's going to happen to them as well. So they're given advice that also helps them. In a mentor, we need somebody in our life that is not afraid to speak truth, that has nothing to lose in that relationship, that even if things don't go super well, that they don't have something to lose if we decide to leave that relationship. I think that's a very important part of that, that, that mental relationship. Okay, and in case you're wondering, if you're out there going, hey, this is something that I really uh, you know, could use in my life, I want you to know that we have a great staff of people here that are dying to get to know you more, that are dying to, to, to get to know you, get the opportunity to love you, and just and hear what's going on in your life. And, and if we can't, you know, be mentors or, or that doesn't work out, we also are able to, to connect you to people, um, older people uh, within this church who just absolutely love college students, who have a heart for college students, and, and are excited about walking alongside college students. Okay, it's also why I'm passionate about what I get the opportunity to do here with student leadership. Is that my whole job is based around the chance to walk with college students. Not that I have anything figured out, but I have been to college. I know a few of the mistakes that I've made along the way. And I think that student leadership is a great opportunity to come in and, and to serve in a way, but also to have that, that natural um, pouring into in your life to help you see a bigger picture of who God is. Help you discover even more about who you are. In that. Okay, but it's, it's one of the reasons uh, why, why wise counsel in your life has to be someone that doesn't have a whole lot to lose. Because selfless counsel has no hidden agenda. These aren't people that have some hid, hidden reason for telling you something. But they're people that, that push you closer to Jesus in your life. And we get a great picture of this in, in the book of John. In the, in the first chapter, in verses 35 through 37, uh, we see John. We see John the Baptist uh, hanging out there. And he's with a couple people that he's mentoring, that he's discipling. And he's with them, hanging out with them, and they see Jesus walk by. And he turns to them and he says, look, that's the Lamb of God. And those disciples that are following John the Baptist turn from him and they follow Jesus more. Good mentorship helps us see who Jesus is. It helps point us in the right direction where we can follow Jesus. And when we walk this life alongside people who have been there before, alongside people who know things that we don't, who have been through things that we haven't, and who have a better understanding of the love of Jesus in their own lives, it gives us a bigger and a clearer picture of who God is in our own lives. Mentors in our lives help point us the direction of Jesus. They help us become aware of how we are part of a bigger story. And mentors help us see what our role in the bigger story is, how we can chase after Jesus. Because mentorship is, is not about people in our lives helping us see just what our major should be or just if we should be in a relationship or not. But they help us see who we really are, who God created us to be individually individually, and uniquely in His image, and how we can live this life more into who we are. Okay, my dad has spent 26 years trying to show me a bigger picture of who Jesus is. 
Okay, not through judging me or stopping me from having fun, but because he loves me and wants to see the best for me. Luckily enough, I found a couple guys when I came to college that care about me, that, that want to help me see a bigger picture of who Jesus is, spending time coaching me, seeing things from an angle that I couldn't see, and giving me a bigger picture, that bigger picture of God that, that I think we all want to see. Okay, and helping me take steps in the direction that I want to go. Now, mentors can't take those steps for us. Okay, they can't take the steps for us that we're trying to go, but they can help us see what those are and help us see how we can, how we can take them. Okay, because when we're living in to who God created us to be, it's in that moment that we start to feel alive. There's something in that moment, in that confidence, that I'm right where God has me. Where we start to understand what Jesus Christ means when he says, I have come, that you might have life and have it to the full. Because like a great mentor in our lives, Jesus Christ didn't come to take away our fun or to constrict us or, or to put rules on us or to judge us. No, that's not why he came at all. He came and like a great mentor in our lives, gave us a picture of relationship and showed us that this relationship with Him can be about so much more than we ever thought possible. Let me pray for us. God, thank You so much. Um, God, uh, for the opportunities that, that You've given me. God, I'm forever grateful that uh, You put people in my life. God, I pray that You continue to put people in my life as, as I continue to... Uh, Navigate new things. Lord, and I pray for all of us out here that we would, we would look toward others. God, for, for advice, for help. God, uh, put, put aside our pride. God, thinking that we need to know everything ourselves. Lord, and, um, God, help us look to others to help us get a bigger picture. God, of who you are. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.